Section 4 of Birds and Nature, Volume 12, Number 3, October 1902. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Section 4. The Animals' Fair. Part 2. The Fair. Days and weeks of busy preparation rolled around, and promptly at the appointed time the animals' fair opened in splendour. A large football field had been secured for the show, and a striking sight met the eyes of curious men, women and children who crowded through the gates on the opening day. Two immense St. Bernard dogs had been appointed gatekeepers, and the human crowd were uncommonly respectful and subdued as they paid their entrance fee of a handful of grain or a juicy bone and passed these representatives of animal law. The first thing to attract the eye as one entered the fair was a large bandstand which was occupied by a band of monkeys in red coats and caps who made up in quantity what their music lacked in quality and went through their performance with a decorum unexcelled by more musical organisations. The monkeys found themselves more at home in their booth, which was near the grandstand, the entrance fee to which was a small sack of peanuts. Here the delighted human audience watched an unequalled show of daring rope and trapeze performances, of acrobatic feats which none but four-handed artists were able to accomplish, and of comical antics such as only monkeys can go through. The excited children screamed with laughter and showered peanuts upon the performers who, following their instincts, forgot their scheduled programme and joined in a wild rush and squabble over the unexpected treat. Such little episodes were soon over, however, and the entertainment and forgotten dignity were resumed together. Next to the monkey's booth was one occupied by geese, ducks and peacocks, and was one which deserves especial mention. It was elaborately decorated with garlands of feather flowers, dyed in all the colours of the rainbow, hung against the background of snowy white feathers. On each side stood a peacock with gorgeous tail outspread, showing to lovely effect against the white walls behind them. Pillows and cushions of softest feathers, festoons of snowy down trimmings, quills and wings and breasts for millinery purposes, feather boas, feather brushes and dusters, Quill pens and quill toothpicks were displayed to greatest advantage and offered for sale for a small sum of wheat or corn. The hogs came next with a large and elaborate display, which included strings of sausages and dewy hams, huge glass jars of snowy lard, hams and bacon put up in fancy ways, and piles of canned pork and deviled ham. In another part of the booth were brushes of all kinds, made from hog bristles, soaps manufactured from otherwise unsaleable parts of hog anatomy, saddles and other leather goods made from the hides, and, in a conspicuous position, a great pile of inflated pigskin footballs, which caught the eye of every schoolboy who came near the booth. "'Young man,' grunted one of the boothkeepers to a boy who was examining this pile of balls, "'young man, never despise a hog.' nor deride him for his slowness. There is nothing more lively than a pigskin when properly inflated. It is a thing for the possession of which the representatives of the largest colleges are proud to contend, and he is the hero of the day 
who carries a pigskin to a winning touchdown. Why, college students will leave their books behind them, will cast aside the cultivation of their brains for the glory of chasing the pigskin over a muddy field. They will sacrifice life itself in its pursuit and count broken limbs and bloody noses as badges of honour. Take my advice. Buy a pigskin football and enter at once upon the path of glory. It is hardly necessary to add that this sale, and many like it, were made during the progress of the fair. The booth of the wild birds was the most beautiful one in the whole display. It was gotten up to represent a forest glade with shadowy aisles and leafy retreats. Its carpet was made of grasses and moss and ferns and flowers. A little fountain cast its waters into a tiny pool where birds dipped their wings or quenched their thirst. Dainty nests were built in many curious ways, some hanging from the branches, others hiding beneath the grasses or sheltered by the leaves. A myriad of brilliant birds flitted through this miniature paradise, the bluebird, the redbird, the orange and black oriole, the scarlet tanager, golden canaries and many others making up a flashing bouquet of colour. Then there were solos and duets and grand concerts when thrush and lark and canary and redbird and warbler joined their voices in a great gush of melody through which ran the liquid trills and cadenzas of mockingbird and nightingale. The quail piped his Bob White from the ferns and grasses, and the parrot, as clown of the occasion, imitated the human voice in comically jerky efforts. Along the front of the booth were displayed rows of bottles filled with every imaginable kind of bug and worm which the industrious birds had gathered from orchards and fields, and which were exhibited as proof of the invaluable aid which the birds give to man. The cattle display was next on the list, a notable one, and attractive to every man and woman. There were noble representatives from every breed of cattle, with the most beautiful gentle-eyed calves that were ever seen. There was a tempting display of great glass jars of rich milk and yellow cream, huge cheeses and golden butter balls, daintily moulded curds and glasses of whey. There was a free tank of delicious iced buttermilk, which was continually surrounded by a thirsty crowd who drank as if they had never tasted buttermilk before. Then there were countless varieties of fancy articles made from horn and bone, pots of glue, cans of neat's foot oil, and leather goods of every possible description. There was dressed beef and jerked beef and dried beef, and potted and canned and corned and deviled and roasted. There was oxtail soup and blood pudding and cakes of suet and stacks of tallow candles. There were hides tanned into soft carriage robes and rugs. There were bottles of rennet tables. There were fancy coloured bladders and bunches of shoestrings. In short, the articles contained in this display were beyond enumeration in a short account like this. The dogs came next with a wonderful display of fancy breeds, of trick dogs and trained dogs, of dogs little and big, varying from the shaggy Eskimo to the skinny little hairless Mexican, and from the huge St. Bernard to the tiny terrier. The Newfoundlands gave a life-saving exhibition every day, wherein monkeys dressed as people were rescued from the water or from buildings supposed to be on fire. The St. Bernards dragged frozen traveller monkeys from snowbanks of cotton and carried them on their backs to places of safety. 
Cute puppies and clumsy puppies went through their antics for the amusement of the children and rolled unconcernedly over beautiful carriage rugs which were labelled Japanese wolfskin. The sheep and goats had a booth together, wherein was a marvellous display of wools and woollen goods, yarns, pelts, angora furs, kid gloves, kid shoes, rugs, carpets and blankets. There were ropes of goat's hair, which water could not destroy, and wigs which were destined to cover the heads of learned judges and barristers. There was a wonderful red tallyho coach, drawn by four snow-white goats, driven by a monkey, dressed as a coachman, which made the circuit of the fairgrounds every afternoon, while monkey passengers made the air lively and cleared the way by the loud notes of their tin horns. This exhibition set the children wild, and parents were daily teased to buy the charming turnout for the use of their little human monkeys. The cats had a display, which met with the highest favour from their little girl visitors. Here were beautiful pussies of every kind and colour, with coats as soft and shiny as silk. There were numbers of the cunningest kittens, which rolled and tumbled and went through their most graceful motions to the unending delight of the little spectators. This booth was gaily festooned with strings of mice and rats, caught up here and there by small rabbits, gophers and moles. There was a string band that played in this booth every afternoon to demonstrate the superiority of catgut strings over those made of silk or wire, as used on violins, mandolins, guitars and all other stringed instruments. They never failed to announce that their bows were strung with the finest of horsehair, which had been supplied by the horses whose booth was farther down the grounds. The horses attracted every eye and aroused much discussion among the visitors as to whether horses would ever be entirely superseded by automobiles and electric engines. The children went into ecstasies over the Shetland ponies and the ladies declared the Arabian horses too lovely for anything. Every boy who visited this booth was presented with a baseball covered with the best of horsehide leather. But time fails me to tell of all the wonderful things which this fair presented to the eyes of admiring men. On one point only was dissatisfaction expressed by the visitors. There was no midway. President Monkey, when interviewed by a representative of the Associated Press in regard to the omission, made the following remarkable statement. No, it was not a matter of oversight. The camel volunteered to bring some of his Arabs to establish the streets of Cairo, and some of the monkeys were anxious to put in a gay Paris display. The lions wished to bring some trained wild men of Borneo for a Hagenbeck show, and the snakes wanted to do jugglery. You can see that there was no lack of what misguided people call attractions. The management discussed the midway from every point of view and decided that it was entirely too low grade for a first-class entertainment such as we desired to make. We felt that it would only attract a rough class of visitors whose presence we did not desire. And so the unanimous decision was, we will have a good, clean, respectable show or we will have no show at all. No, sir, say emphatically in your dispatches that the midway was intentionally omitted. Such things may do for men, but beasts will have none of them.
The fair was in every way a success, being carried through without disturbance of any kind and coming out free of debt and with much legal tender in the treasury. Men were so much impressed by the obligations which they owed to the animal world that there was a decided improvement in their treatment of its various representatives. While this state of affairs cannot be expected to last long, the animals have learned how to arouse such respect and have decided to make the animal fair an annual attraction. Mary McRae Coulter End of section 4 Recording by Ulrike Denis